The following is a rebroadcast of an interview conducted on the program Radio Job Line by executive producer and host Scott Possessor on Long Island News Radio Station 103.9 FM. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now it's time for Radio Job Line with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Must be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. We're here for you every week to talk about your career. Make sure you have a job. Make sure you're doing well at your job, excelling at your job. Uh, that if you need a raise, you're asking for it properly. If you need to make a resume, you're doing it well. Um, anything that relates to the workplace, we cover here on Radio Jobland. We've been doing it for six years right here on LI News Radio. And uh, we're very proud that this is the continuation, actually, of a TV show that started 30 years ago. So, um, it's the same story over and over again. What affects the workplace? We talk about it here on the radio show. Something that's been affecting me lately has been the impact of this pandemic on all of us, not just um, in the workplace, but really everybody, but also in the workplace too. Um, I now go to a workplace where half of my staff is in the company and the other half works from home. Um, we're not having the same enjoyment from interacting that we used to. I'm very sad all the time about uh, hearing about all the all the death that we have in this country, that our death rate is so high that 165,000 people have lost their lives in this country. I don't see enough uh, ceremony, uh, excuse me, celebrating the lives of those people. I'm seeing much more about the, the vicious uh, vitriol and politics and hatred that goes on in, between Democrats and Republicans in this country. Um, something is wrong with that picture. Uh, then you have the protests that are adding to this. So you have really the triple P's, the, the politics, the protests, and the pandemic. It's enough to drive anybody batty. Uh, and also to have a, a deleterious impact, I think, uh, emotionally uh, from a social perspective on Americans all over the country, right here in this region and right here on Long Island. So to talk about that today, we decided to go get an expert. And one of our experts that have been on the show a couple of times is Silas Kelly. Silas is an LMSW, a licensed master social worker, and a uh, e-journalism social work advocate. He's also a member of the National Association of Social Workers and an active member of the New York State Chapter Board Member of the Associate for Mental Health and Wellness. Uh, Kenny, tell us a little bit more about Silas Kelly. He is the CEO and founder of Kelson Communications, Inc., a full-service media company. He is the executive producer, creator, and host of the award-winning Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. The program promotes, highlights, and uplifts the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the undeniably vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of our society every day. I also want to say something about Ken Connolly, my super intern, who is uh, almost good enough to just plain be a regular co-host, Kenny. Um, uh, the man drives here for two hours without air conditioning every single week from Westchester <laughs> to get to our studio uh, here at the uh, MacArthur Airport. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Kenny and let everybody know we feel his pain. Uh, we've <laughs> been out of power sir. ourselves around here, and uh, we know what it's like not to have air conditioning. So with all of that said, uh, Silas Kelly, welcome to Radio Jobline. Thank you so much. Nice to be back, Scott, and thank you for inviting me once again. Have you been, my friend? And and don't think that I didn't notice you had a podcast there, Silas, because I'm about to ask 
were were we the ones that launched your radio career? You uh, you absolutely because um, taking all our listeners back, it was back in 2017. The first time I appeared on your show, uh, we did a uh, segment on the social work profession, and that particular segment um, got separated out. It got submitted to the National Association of Social Workers, and it actually won first place in the media category for radio for promoting the social work profession. And yes, that did motivate me to continue trying to spread the word and to promote the wonderful profession that I love of social work. So absolutely. So how did you how did you go about it? Uh, when when did the podcast? Tell us about the podcast. How did it start? When did it start? How does it work? Tell us everything. Sure. Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, I do have a you know background in radio and TV production. I'm a proud Suffolk Community College alumni, also uh, Brooklyn College broadcast journalism. So I've trained for many years, and I've done news and public affairs, and I've hosted my own public affairs show. So. I got to a point where I said, you know, I go, you know, I, I, I produced for Z100 on several occasions, um, something that I produced for them in 2018. That also won an award for the Press Club of Long Island. So it was around there I started saying, let me put this all together. I've got the training. I've got the education. I've got the passion. And then social work and media became my two favorite passions. I, I merged them together, and then I decided that, I would have a particular uh, podcast dedicated specifically to promoting the social work profession. So I started it about four years ago, just kind of talking to people and uh, getting their ideas of what they'd like to come on the show and talk about. And then I started interviewing people that I knew in the profession. I started interviewing social workers working in libraries. I started interviewing uh, social workers that were teaching, social workers and mental health, but also started interviewing people who benefited from social work and who could also highlight what do social workers do. And we've talked about this on your show. And so now my podcast really is to educate the public because a lot of people don't know what social workers do. And I think this is a great time to kind of highlight that because I started a special segment called uh, Social Workers Confronting COVID-19 with Compassion, Courage, and Character. And I've been releasing a, an episode every other week since May 21st. And I'm talking to social workers from all over the country. So this is really the uh, culmination of all those years of working uh, to help right, other so, people put their shows together. So Silas, we're going to give you a shameless plug. Where do we find this podcast? Yes, you can find my podcast is on anchor.fm slash Kelson on the air. Give it one more time. One more time. Anchor.fm slash Kelson on the air. Spell Kelson. K as in Kevin. E-L-S as in Sam. U-N-N. Kelson dash on dash the dash air. Got Kelson it. Kelson on okay. the air. Right, very good. I'm going to tune in and, uh, and and we're going to listen and see how you're doing. But I'm sure you're doing great because you're great with us. And uh, Silas, we're, we're only too happy that uh, you won an award for that program because social work is such an important field. Right now, I want to talk to you about the emotional state 
of Americans. Yes. And 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 the impact that this crazy pandemic is having on everyone. The, the, I think the thing that upsets me the most, because my life really hasn't changed that much. I'm sort of a stay-at-home guy anyway, and don't go out and socialize all that much. And I go to I go to my office, you know. So we're, you know we're working at half strength at the office, but not that many changes for me. You know, I watch my ball games at night. Thank God there's baseball, and and uh, I'm okay. Uh, but I see so much death, and and I think about all the families. You know, when when you lose 164,000 Americans, you you it's affecting a million people because the family unit there that lost that person is deeply impacted, and maybe some of them have COVID too. So it, it goes on and on right through the family, um, and then the protests that started and and the it, it, all the vitriol that was surrounding that, and we're sending in um, troops you know, to, 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 to handle Americans that are out of line. I mean, it, 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 you know, some of that w was just very unpleasant. And, and then, yes. um, you know, then we get pounded by a, um, a near hurricane here on Long Island. About a third of Long Island had no power for a week, um, including me for a couple of days. So, um, you know, it, it's just been a very, it's, I hate to say the word depressing, Silas, but it's been a depressing yes. four or five months. It, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, and, and sometimes you need someone to talk to. And, and I think a social worker is the person that, that comes to the fore. But how is it elsewhere? Give, give us a, a little um, a taste of, of how it's going around, around the country. Okay, well, uh, one of the um, social workers that I spoke to, uh, a, a colleague of mine, Dr. Elizabeth Eckert, uh, who's the director of the Nassau Bar Association's Lawyer Assistance Program, um, and she also has a private practice, um, she says that the emotional impact that this pandemic is take, is wreaking on everybody, you really don't understand the layers that it is. She talked about social workers being in the hospital and being the only connecting link between a patient who might be dying and their family. Because as we all know, with the COVID-19 um, pandemic, once someone is diagnosed with it, then they they have to be quarantined, obviously. But if they're if they're terminally ill because of the of the uh, the virus, then no one from their family can come anywhere near them. Right. The only people that can get near them are the doctors and the nurses and the nurse practitioners and the social workers. Mm -hmm. So what what you have from an emotional standpoint, you have families that can't get to their loved ones. You have people in the hospital who are sick and made have been given the news that you may not make it. Now they can't talk to their family members and their loved ones. It creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and a lot of depression. And then you've got the healthcare professionals, the doctors and nurses, the nurse practitioners, and the social workers trying to provide comfort and be in the place of people's family. So if you just take, take a look at that picture in and of itself, then you've got the doctors and the nurses. They have nobody to unwind to, so they go and they talk to the social workers in the social work office. And then you have the social workers. They have to now leave, go home, hope they don't bring it home, as all the other health care workers, and now they need somebody to talk to. So the ripple effect of this pandemic is, is from what I'm being told, and I'm talking to social workers from all over the country, it's very devastating and it's very depressing and it's very demoralizing because no one seems to be able to 
feel any sense of victory because it seems to be getting incrementally worse. Yeah, I mean, we just went through an incredible uh, uptick, you know, that uh, especially in the southern states, that was devastating to learn about because, you know, here we thought we were beating it. I mean, we certainly did it in New York. We knocked our infection rate down to under 1%. I mean, I'm very proud of New Yorkers, so I want to, you know, throw my arms around them every time I see a whole cluster of them with, with masks on. But in the South... It wasn't the same thing. You know, people were resistant to it and and just didn't want to wear it. I saw interviews with people. You know, Silas, I I often wonder about people. I I saw an interview with a couple uh, in Georgia. Uh, It was a live interview with just a reporter on the street. And uh, he went over to these two people and he says, well, why aren't you wearing masks? And And the person answered, we're not worried. And then the reporter goes, well, why aren't you worried? And they answered, because it's a hoax. This is just three weeks ago. Three mm-hmm. weeks ago. These people believe that the 164,000 dead people is a hoax. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, you know, the, what, what ups, it, what's more upsetting to me is, is, is that that mindset exists in a country that I live in. You know, yeah. and that people are resistant to wearing masks even now, five months into this thing i don't want to wear a mask i want to go to a party where there's hundreds of people without masks uh they, they do it they do it uh, i i mean too often and it's starting to happen a little bit in new york and new jersey too and uh, governor cuomo is not too happy about it and and uh, but but it's that mindset let's talk about that a little bit silas what causes that pushback what causes that mindset you know when we decided to put a um, a, a law in place that said you have to wear a seatbelt to protect your life, to protect the lives of others. Uh, everybody seemed okay with it. But if we now we say, but if you have to wear a mask to protect the lives of others and yourself, people don't want to do it. So what, what causes that? Well, one of the things that, that, I, that I've noticed is that people who are resistant or hesitant, they seem to think, oh, this disease, this pandemic, it won't affect me. It'll only affect someone else. I don't need to wear a mask because I'm not in the, not, you know, and, and we have to kind of talk about this. I'm not in the category of people who are most likely to get infected by this. So I'm not wearing a mask because now here's what the research turned up. Shortly after the pandemic began spreading like, like wildfire. There's, and there's reports, and you could research it on uh, mainstream media. You can research it on uh, alternative media that the disease was disproportionately affecting people of color, black mm-hmm. and brown people. Once it, that got out that it's affecting black and brown people, then people who didn't fall into that category did not feel as threatened because it became, oh, it's not my problem it's not going to affect me it's going to affect other people but not me so no i'm not wearing a mask so that resistance is because people feel a sense of invincibility that's it's it's almost like i don't have anything like that couple that you talked to we're not worried okay they did say it was a host but how could you not be worried when all these people are losing their lives and it's getting worse so people who are not willing to put on a mask people who are not willing to social distance don't believe it's going to affect them and that brings about a lot of the pushback and again a lot of it centers around 
it, it's been said that it's affecting black and brown people. So it's a black and brown person's disease. And that's not the numbers show that disproportionately. Yes. But people from all races, all economic, socioeconomic status, status, um, status positions, I should say, are being affected and people from all walks of life are losing their life. Yeah, I, th- I think there's another thing too, uh, Silas, and that's the, the misinformation that's being spread. Um, you have this woman that uh, is promoted by the White House uh, that, that says um, uh, something about, de- she's talking about demon seed, being, being uh, people being impregnated by aliens and so on. And she's talking about hydrochloroquine, whatever it is, I forgot how to pronounce it, hydroxychloroquine, um, that, that's, that's this great drug. And, and so this type of thing is showing up on Facebook, it's showing up on Twitter, it's showing up all over the place. And it doesn't seem to be any way to stop the misinformation. I know it should stop at the top, but it doesn't. So, so it's up to us to be grown up and mature enough to interpret the information that we see, but this so much misinformation i think that's adding to the confusion and the chaos yes and the, and the other thing that i think is, is, is causing a lot of problems is be, problems is because the health experts in this country that are very well versed and well educated and knowledgeable are not being listened to they're being silenced and we all know that yeah so i'm not really trying to say this to take a position but for instance dr fauci he was a daily uh, presenter at the coronavirus press conference, but the moment his viewpoints went against the establishment or the administration's viewpoints, he started becoming marginalized, marginalized, and now he's not even part of it because it goes against the narrative that the establishment wants to say, it's getting better, we're going to get through this, let's move on. The numbers say different. And the reality of it is, is that the, the misinformation is coming from, in my opinion, people who want to just move on and, and, and try to, to help hopefully get things back the way that they used to. And that's really not going to happen until we get a firm grasp on this pandemic. Yeah, well, we certainly don't have a firm grasp on it. And, and every time I keep hearing that it's going to magically go away, I get sicker and sicker. And I think I get more emotionally sick than anything because I, it's just not logical to me to deny the truth. The, the truth is the pandemic is overtaking the country. It's out of control. Yes, it, it's getting a little bit better now, but it doesn't mean it's not going to get a little bit worse again in the fall. Um, you, you don't know what it's going to do, especially when people are irresponsible about uh, you know, about saving the lives of other people. So it, it's just, but it causes a sadness. And that's what I want to focus on in, in the second segment, uh, Silas. We've got a couple of minutes left on this sure. segment, but I, I want to talk about this this feeling that I have of sadness, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the people that are dying are being ignored, that the bodies are piling up and the numbers are what the numbers are. And it, it is what it is, 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 is the last comment that I remember. Um, mm-hmm. I, when, yeah. when, when there's a third of the people that died in 9-11 die every single day in the United States. How does that not make you sad? And if it doesn't make you sad, I think you, you first need a social worker. But if it does make you sad, you know, how do you, how do you get around this, Silas? We're gonna, we're gonna leave the second segment up to you to give us some advice on how to get through this, 
on how to deal with the emotional strain of it, uh, how to how to be positive. If I painted a picture for you of how much news I watch, the first thing you would say as a social worker to me is stop watching the damn news because it's driving you nuts. And and yeah, yeah. you know that's part of it. So we're going to let you lay out some steps for us in segment two as to how to get through this. Also, I work with a an intern and uh, uh, Kenny Connolly who's fantastic and. Kenny's going to ask you a question when we open up the second segment about younger people and the impact that it's having on them and and the emotional impact that it's having on them, too. You're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. We have a fabulous guest today, Silas Kelly, and we're going to talk truth with Silas about what's really happening to the emotional state of the American people, the regional people here in New York State, and the local people here on Long Island. Um, If you have an idea and would like to be on Radio Jobline, you can write to me. I have an email address. It's Scott P. 118 at gmail.com uh, they can also write to Kenny Kenny what is your email address you can write to me at kenny.radiojobline at gmail.com okay his is more jobline related so I want to give his too uh, but we've got a news break coming up in the next segment Silas Kelly is going to tell us how to deal with the pain of the pandemic you're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor stay with us And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back, everybody. It's Saturday afternoon. We're here to talk careers and, and job markets and jobs and interviews, but we're taking a little bit of a diversion today. And we're looking at our workplace and we're saying, why is it half empty? Why are we not happy? Why are we carrying around a burden? Why are we sad? What can we do about it? And for this, we brought Silas Kelly, our social work expert, a licensed master social worker, an e-journalism social work advocate. He's a member of the National Association of Social Workers and an active member of the New York State Chapter Board member of the Association for Mental Health and Wellness. Silas, welcome back to uh, Jobline. Thank you. Thank you so much. Scott. Great. Great to have you, of course. And uh, I, we, we're going to do a little piece of business with a commercial we have to read, Silas. And I'm going to throw it over to my uh, super intern and let him ask you a question as well. So uh, go ahead, uh, Kenny, if you would. So Biz Shout, ladies and gents, socially promote yourself or your business is a social media, social networking and microblogging service on which users post and interact with shouts to express themselves. Registered users can also post iconic shouts to boost their content organically or utilize new advertising services as they roll out. For their first platform service, they design a creative resume for self-promotion, which contains resume information and video resume content, allowing hiring managers to preview a candidate and their skills before an interview. Candidates can also blog about their expertise to outshine their competition, post podcasts, and more on a handsomely designed resume page. The creative resume is free for registered users and could potentially help them land their dream job four times faster. Build one today at bizshout.com. That's spelt with two Zs. All right, and Kenny, tell us about how you've been feeling too. I already kind of spilled my guts about how I'm feeling. <laughs> how do you feel? Yeah, so to start things off, Silas, I got I to admit, I've been pretty angered with everything that I've seen you know, just the blatant disregard for human life by the youth. I mean, I'm a part of the youth, and I'm one of the very few that's actually being smart with this whole thing. 
you know, from from driving to work in the morning on the radio, hearing 700 people at a house party in Jersey to 2000 people in Prospect Park, no masks, just disregard. And it really does anger me. And I often get into arguments on social media with people privately. I'm like, you know, hey, what are you doing? Like, I see people drinking and stuff with their friends, no masks. So that's the first part. And then the second part in terms of my personal life, I mean, this thing has affected me from graduation, like, you know, that getting robbed from me and everybody else, every other hardworking college student out there that didn't have a proper graduation to the job market. You know, I'm working construction right now after I worked four years for a degree in communications. It's just a crazy time right now to socially, you know, dating life. You can't really see girls. You can't really hang out with girls unless you want to be a part of the youth that's being stupid about it. The bars are just too much of a risk, even for outdoor and even with my friends, they're all turning 21. We weren't able to really do much this summer. You know, so it's just a lot of stuff. And what kind of advice and encouraging words can you give to me and to everybody else out there that's going through this? Well, that's a very, very serious question that you just asked. And I agree that the irresponsibility-ness of some of the youth, per se, is, is very alarming. It's very upsetting and unsettling. What I would say is there's an old saying, if you don't go within, then you go without. You yourself as an individual, and, and, and each individual has to, in my opinion, has to look in the mirror and say, am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? And all these youth who are gathering and congregating and and, and, and being in large groups with no mask and no social distancing, they obviously are part of the problem. Mm. So you being a, a responsible, respectful, serious-minded individual, I would say focus on what can you do, number one, to keep yourself and the people that you care about safe. But the first thing is safety first. Do what you can do to keep you safe. When you do what you can do to keep you safe, then that in turn is going to keep the people that you care about mm. safe. So it has to start there. Now, yes, socially, there's really not a lot that can happen because you can't really socialize if you have to be six feet apart. I get it. Mm. But just understanding the fact that every time that you social distance, and this goes to anybody listening, every time that you social distance, and any time, every time that you wear a mask and every time that you wash your hands, you're cutting down the chance that this can get spread to somebody else. And as much as it may ruin, you know, the whole social aspect, this is a life and death matter right now. Mm -hmm. And yes, that does make people sad and makes people uh, despond feel despondent. But in order to get through this, just like, you know, Governor Cuomo said and some of the other very uh, uh, proactive uh, elected officials and, you know, people in, in industry and healthcare, we have to take this upon ourselves that each person has to do whatever they can to make it better. And, and I get it. When you see you, you going through all the, the proper um, protocols and taking the proper steps to do what's uh, physically and health-wise the correct thing to do, I know it makes you upset and it makes you angry and it makes you frustrated. And then that can lead to sadness and depression. But the one thing that I say 
just give yourself credit for doing the right thing. Mm. It's not easy for you to do the right thing every day and see other people just uh, throwing caution to the wind. But you can't really do anything about them, but you can do everything about you. And when you take care of you, you take care of the people you love, and then they uh, have less chance of getting infected, and they have less chance of spreading it, and so you're doing your part. I know it's not much, but we have to look at what can I do. Thank you, Silas. Well, it's only a one-hour show, Silas. So, <laughs> and, and, so, but you, I thought you did it. You, you gave a great answer. Um, the the thing that gets me though, let's talk about the sadness be, because uh, I I think there's an overriding sadness that's going on now. Some people reference it as anger, and yes, mm-hmm. I'm angry. I am definitely angry. I don't even get me started with how many things I'm angry about. But I think mm-hmm. I don't think that the anger is really getting my goat as badly as the sadness because I just walk around and every time I see 162, 163,000, 164,000, it's like there's no difference. It was when it was 120,000. Well, it was 120,000. So now it's 160,000. What's the difference? Well, 40,000 more Americans are dead. 40,000 more American families are dead uh, or have had a death. So this is making me sad. And the fact that there is no recognition, or, or I should say very little recognition. You know, on the news every night, you'll see one family, you know, how they beat it or, or didn't beat it and, and so on. But we're talking about thousands of people, a thousand people a day dying. To, it's just piling up, Silas. When do we grieve for these people? I mean, I know that I know when, you know, they're not my relatives, but I'm still grieving. They're my fellow Americans. So I feel yeah. badly for them and their families. And, and how do we deal with this pain? This is something that if you can answer that question in 12 minutes and 26 seconds, um, <laughs> You should keep your podcast. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't really have an answer for that, but I do know that everyone who's grieving has to find a way to, to let it out and to get it out. Um, a lot of the research that they've, they've talked about in social work and mental health and uh, psychotherapy is that depression is nothing more than anger turned inward. So you have to get it out and let it out. And I had a saying Real, real briefly, if you don't express and you suppress, you become depressed. Mm. You got to get it out. You got to let it out. That's the the, the 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 most healthy way to approach it is to admit that you're angry and then and talk about it to someone that you feel comfortable talking about it to. Yeah, I mean, and then there's this whole Democrat Republican thing that's happened in this country, Silas. It's never been like this. It's never been such incredible hateful vitriol every everything they say so um the the dems want to take away your guns and close down the cities and take away your 401k plan and that's that's all there is to it do you understand that's how bad they are and then the dems will say something about the republicans just as ferociously ugly and and i just feel like this the 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 country is so divided between Democrats and Republicans, that it's no longer the issue anymore. It's the fact that you're you're on one side of the fence or you're on the other side of the fence, and there's no getting out. It's 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 just a painful way to look at democracy. And I don't know. And then you look at the the newspapers, the Washington Post, the New York Times, you know, the liberal media. And yes, I read those papers. Um, and 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 when I watch Fox News, I don't understand what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a different world. So so the, there's that shock 
of the, of the people that are on the liberal side of the media and the people on the conservative side of the media, and they're against each other saying the most horrible, horrific things, accusing each other of such. So with all this vitriol and anger and hatred and sadness going on around us with no real end in sight, Silas, what are we supposed to do to give us, give us some advice? So in my opinion, Again, it goes back to the individual. Um, I talk about something that I've coined a phrase called inclusive humanity. Everybody has to get to a point, and I know this is not answering the question, but the only way that this is going to get better is everybody has to look inside themselves and find where they may feel some sense of resentment, some sense of anger, and try to trace where that comes from and, and try to, Find a way to work past that. Because every person on this planet has good attributes and bad attributes. We need to see everybody with both sides of that and be able to accept that we may not see eye to eye, but just because we don't see eye to eye, the person that we don't agree with doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. We have to look for the good in each individual because there's good in, in all of us and there's things that are in all of us that are not so good. We have to look for the good and focus on that. That's the only way we're going to get past it. Because if I keep looking at what I don't like about a person, that's all I'm going to see is all the reasons why I don't like. So can I find something in that person that I do like or that I can uh, work with or be, be acceptable with? That's what I see as a solution because the back and forth is not going to change anything until people change in their hearts. But you know, sometimes Silas, when when destruction and death hits America, we band together. When nine eleven happened, I remember a real feeling of solidarity with my fellow Americans. We all felt we we identified the enemy. The enemy wasn't us. The enemy was them, and we all banded together against that common enemy. But now it's not so easy, Silas. Now, now it's right here in our own country. You know, we, we th- th- there's just it, it just changed, and I I'm at a loss. I mean, I personally am a news junkie, and I and I I watch a, a one to two hours of news every single night, um, and and I and I I just feel the need to be up on everything. You know, like um, I was reading uh, on Wednesday that uh, Trump has a brand new member of his coronavirus task force. This is one of his friends. That, that agrees with his way of looking at the virus, that it's going to go magically away. So, yes, Fauci is no longer there. Burke is no longer there and, and so on. So, but when you see stuff like this, am I better off not even knowing that that happened, Silas? Or am I better off knowing that it happened and dealing with it somehow? Well, I, th- I think it's, it's, you know, to be forewarned is to be forearmed um, is an old expression. Um, certainly to know um, when things like this take place, but also to try to balance it. Um, every every day I look for something that gives me hope, like someone that started a fundraiser to, to, to buy um, PPE for, for health care workers or somebody who uh, went around to all the, all, all the seniors to make sure that they were okay and socially distanced and maybe went and went to, and, and shopped for them because we, we, we can't give up hope. We got to find something to, to, 
to feel, you know, confident that there is a, a brighter day coming. Because right now things are pretty bleak. Mm. But you you're staying up on what's going on, but also oh I say all to everybody, always look for something positive so that you don't end your day on such a down note. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty it's it's easy to say, like you said, but but it's a lot harder to do when you're so surrounded by it. You know, there's there's really no place to go anymore. Social media is just destroyed by it. Uh, whatever happened to social media it used to be fun. Social media was fun for for years. Mm-hmm. Now it's pain. Now it's ugliness. And and um, the politics is ugliness and the protests. I, I I you know whenever there's a riot or something goes bad, you start feeling so badly that that all those protesters that were peaceful are now getting a bad rap, you know, because there were some some people in the in there that decided decided they wanted to loot something. So so then you start feeling badly about the protests, you know, that that that, that even they are suffering. So uh, I I know I'm spilling my guts to you here, and and my my listeners are hearing a side of me they don't usually hear. Uh, because I am so troubled by what is going on around me, um, mm-hmm. but but I'm going to let you take the last five minutes, Silas, and 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 counsel me. What do I need to do? What I say to you, to, to all the listeners, I mean, obviously, you know, by no means do I, you know, pretend to have all the answers. But one of the things that I do is, like I said, I always look for a, a story that's uplifting because if you keep feeding your 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 brain and and, and, your, and, your, and yourself all the negative stories because there's so much of it going on and like you said social media is you know is going going sour the news is going sour but if you if you look hard enough and you look long enough you'll find something to say well look at least that that gives me hope and that's what I say uh we can't let the negativity make us lose hope because once we lose hope then the game is over Mm. so as much as you you you're a news junkie you like to know what's going on in the 24-hour news cycle and that's fine but try to end your night by finding a story and and you can find good stuff that's happening in the midst of this pandemic you can find good stuff that's happening in the midst of all the protests and all the civil unrest there are many many peaceful protests and yes there are agitators that go in and stir up trouble to give the, the peaceful protesters a bad name but there are also many stories where the protesters i saw many stories on social media that they said look don't do that please don't go and, and start trouble because and the protesters were saying when they come they're not going to come for you they're going to come for us and i'm saying that these were Peaceful protesters, African-American protesters, protesters of color, and they were saying to other outside agitators, please don't come here and do that because you're not helping the cause. So when I see something like that, that gives me hope that not everybody's looting and, 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 and vandalizing things the way that some of the media portrays it. Mm. There are a lot of people who want to get the message across and get it across peacefully. And the thing that gives me hope is that there were people from every ethnic background uh, at the heights of the protests after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey, people from every hue and every persuasion were marching in the streets, peacefully protesting and saying things have got to change. And I think that spirit and that movement 
is it's it's embedded in society now, and it may take a while, but that spirit is not going to die, and that is what I hang my hat on as far as hope for the future because there are a lot of people that know that things have to change, and there's a lot that's going on to try to facilitate that change, and that calls for hard, hard, uh, difficult discussions, and people got to look inside themselves. All right. Now, Silas, we're running out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, do you, do you represent a certain organization, or do you give uh, counseling or anything like Do you want? Is there something we can plug to get people connected with you? Well, um, yes, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm speaking as, you know, just you know, the, the CEO and founder of, of Kelson Communications. However, if people are looking for resources that they want to um, reach out and find someone that can provide counseling. Um, they could always um, go to naswnys.org. That's one website they could go to, or they can go to, or they can look up the Association for Mental Health and Wellness. Um, they have a series of uh, bevy of resources that they could refer people to. All right, one more time, give us the give us the uh, the, the podcast information. Yes, the podcast information is Anchor. Dot FM front slash Kelson on the air. And Kelson is spelled K as in Kevin, E as in Edward, L as in Larry, S as in Sam, U as in universe, N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, dash on dash the air. Kelson okay. on the air social work podcast all right silas can't thank you enough for being with us this week uh it was a, a it was a fabulous cleansing for me and kenny kenny who do we got coming up next week ladies and gents we have rob fishman talking about how to recover rebuild and reimagine the week after is ian hammeroff product marketer talking about go-to market strategies okay silas kelly you are a gentleman you are fantastic at your job i can't wait to hear your podcast and and uh and talk more about this problem and uh, you and i may be talking again uh, silas because I, I may need another dose of this in a week or two uh, if you have an idea for radio jobland you can write to me scott p 118 at gmail.com. Happy to have your idea or topic on the show. Have a great week, everybody, and happy hunting. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.